So for three months, if you can believe it, we've been digging into these, these 59 verses in the New Testament uh, that have these two words in them, one another, love one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. And like Gene Hackman in this clip we just watched, today we're told to show hospitality to one another. I wonder if in the middle of a pandemic, this might be the least applicable message in the history of least applicable messages. Maybe. Here's the thing. This isn't a command, though, with a caveat, like show hospitality as long as there's not a global pandemic. So I suppose the onus is on us to figure out how to be creative in living this out, to serve the spirit of the command, uh, even if we can't serve the letter of it. And in a few minutes, I'd like to actually open up the open mic and, uh, and take responses from, from you, from our live congregation, from our digital congregation, uh, to kind of have us brainstorm together what it means to live out this command, especially now. And I don't, I don't necessarily know how to do it. So I'm hoping that we can together brainstorm this and find out ways to be safe and live out the spirit of hospitality. So I'm going to ask you to think on that for a bit and then share maybe some of your ideas, ways that you have figured out how to be hospitable or maybe have been treated hospitably even in this crazy year called 2020. This is an interesting command. You know, hospitality is actually a specific requirement of an elder, according to 1 Timothy and Titus. And in 1 Peter 4.9, it's a requirement of all us believers. A requirement. Did you know that the, the term for hospitality in this verse, uh, going back to the Greek, literally means lover of strangers. Believers are called to be lovers of strangers. Wow. Do you think that that is the reputation most North American Christians have garnered over the years? The love of the foreigner? The love of the immigrant? The outsider? Back in the day, hospitality was absolutely vital to the, to the spread of the gospel. I think it was as vital as the Roman roads, you know, like... Um, travelers, uh, letter carriers, pastors, apostles, evangelists, they relied on the hospitality of other believers in, in carrying out this message of Jesus. And because it was actually dangerous in the first century to spread the message of Jesus, not just from Jewish persecutors like Saul, who became Paul, but from this Roman uh, hierarchy who called Caesar the one true God, hospitality literally was like life-saving for those fleeing from, from persecutors. And in Romans 16 and in 1 Corinthians 16, um, it, it shows how hospitality was practiced by opening your home uh, to host church. I, there wasn't a church building, right? Like you, you couldn't rent the local synagogue and teach about this new message of Jesus and grace. But um, for the first 200 years or so, there was no such thing as a church building. Imagine hosting church at your home week after week. Well, actually, I know some of you 
know exactly what that's like. People who have had beautiful experiences with, with what we'd call home church. Our context in 2020 is pretty different. It's different in North America than when these verses were written. Somewhere along the line, uh, the idea of Christian hospitality began to diminish. I don't know why exactly. I think you can trace some of it back to when the church basically starts to become an institution, right? Around the fourth century, not only did it become an institution, but it becomes the socially accepted institution. It's, instead of this ragtag underground movement, um, people weren't being persecuted. They, they, they didn't have the need to seek out other Christians to give them food and clothing and housing, that sort of thing. A lot of that uh, first century church um, uh, MO for, for caring for people, for feeding the hungry, for taking care of the homeless and the widow and the orphan, those things ended up getting delegated to other institutions. You know, We end up with what we have today with with churches and what we call parachurch organizations, nonprofits, and those are those are good things. Um, in many ways, it allows the church to be more focused in some ways. But it did mean losing a bit of our reputation as a as a as a role model for hus- hospitality for serving the needs of the community, for being a place of safety, right? So churches still do these types of things. In fact, um, NAC partners with two other churches in our community to do just this sort of thing. Uh, we, we have a Serve Our City uh, a group that is meeting the needs of a demographic of people in Newmarket who at least they know they have this place, on this night where they'll get a good meal and a warm place and at least in the short term know that they are safe. I realize it's a drop in the bucket, but it's a way that we can return to our ministry of hospitality to the stranger, right? Now, this series primarily uh, called One Anothering is, is, is mostly about how we treat the other believer, the people in our family called the church. And uh, we call you brothers and sisters because we really have been adopted into this this family of God. And uh, most of the instructions are how we treat one another. And, And part of the rebuke or the admonition that we need to hear is that there are many people who've stopped coming to church because they really don't sense the spirit of community at church anymore. Um, You've all been to churches, right? Where you you go in, you listen to a sermon, you sing a few songs, and then you leave. But you never feel any connection to the people in the church. I hope that is changing. I I hope that is changing at NAC. Because ironically, the visitor or the guest uh, who might be a stranger probably finds us pretty strange, right? We have insider language and we have these raised hands and we're standing and we're sitting and we're standing and we're sitting and we have this little wafer and a little juice and we call it blood and body, gross. 
And we have this inside uh, language. You know, the church can be very weird to a person who's a stranger. Now, we are truly trying to be a hospitable church, but it, it, it takes work. Jesus himself promises us in Matthew 25 that if, if we are hospitable to the least in society, then we're actually being hospitable to Jesus. If we're commanded to be hospitable to one another, um, and there are so many benefits of it, then why don't we? Uh, well, this is not an exhaustive list, but, but here's some reasons I think that we are neglecting our command to be hospitable. One is just ignorance. I, I think for some, you just don't know that this is one of the commands of God to be hospitable to one another. You haven't had an example of this in your life, maybe. Uh, maybe you just never came across that scripture, um, but it, it is a requirement of believers. And honestly, for those of us who know this is a command, we might subconsciously diminish it to one of, you know, the lesser commands, right? Sort of based on our own preferences. Like, yeah, studying scripture, that's important. We, we, we like admonishing one another. We're good at that. Praying for one another. Okay, I get that. But this sort of touchy-feely hospitality stuff, it doesn't quite rank in your top 10. And I can't find anywhere that this command is sort of part of a smorgasbord of commands that you can take this one and leave that one. Second reason we may diminish hospitality is because it takes work. It really does. It puts you out. It draws you out of yourself. Hospitality takes a lot of work. It's often inconvenient. It, it messes with your plans. It invades your privacy. How many of you are like me and you, you just really value your privacy? Anybody like that? Oh, no, you're all just open books. Here, come. Yes, thank you. Honest, Diane. Uh, it may not even be enjoyable. It, it may be something that we tend to complain about having to do. I'm really selling this this morning, aren't I? You're really getting a vision for this? Romans 12 says that we should be constant or persistent or ready in our practice of hospitality. Hebrews says that, um, uh, you know, don't neglect hospitality. Evidently, it's something that can be neglected. I, I like how John Piper says it. Here's what he says. The physical force of gravity pulls everything to the center of the earth. You know this. In order to break free from earth-centered life, thousands and thousands of pounds of energy have to push the space shuttle away from the center. Okay, now stay with me, because this will make sense. There's also a psychological force of gravity that constantly pulls our thoughts and our affections and physical actions inward toward the center of our own selves and our own homes. Therefore, the most natural thing in the world is to neglect hospitality. It is the path of least resistance. All we have to do is yield to the natural gravity of our self-centered life, and the result will be a life so full of self that there's no room for hospitality. We'll forget about it. We'll neglect it. Um, so the Bible 
bluntly says, stop it. Build, build a launching pad. Fill up your boosters. Blast out of your self-oriented routine. Stop neglecting hospitality. Practice hospitality. One reason, and maybe this is just for me, but, but maybe there are those who struggle with generosity. Honestly, maybe some of us are a little too focused on spending our precious time and our resources on ourselves or, or feeling like these resources are already overcommitted, our time, our money. Can I admit something to you? Um, there are many more people who would be appropriate, qualified, who should be teaching this. Um, not because what I'm saying is untrue, but because I am not great at this hospitality thing. That's to my shame. I, I, I think, unfortunately, generosity doesn't rank as one of my you know, top three giftings. And it doesn't come easily, if I'm being honest. It, 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 maybe I have a bit of a scarcity mindset, fear of not having enough. I'm growing in it, but it doesn't come easily. And so you can see how generosity and hospitality are kind of linked together. They're interconnected. And it is one of those ways that we can actually practice practice to grow in our generosity by pursuing hospitality. And then here's the big one. I think pride is an issue. You think, you think people are coming to visit your house, right? You're worried it's too messy. It's too small. It's an apartment. You don't have time to do the deep clean that you, that you think you need to do. I remember this book, Karen Burton Maines, author of um, Open Heart, Open Home. It's a book I remember being in my mother's library, who, by the way, my mom, one of the great hospitable people of all time. Hi, mom. I am sure she's watching because NAC has become their home church from London, Ontario. Um, hope you come to the annual meeting here in February, mom. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's her spiritual gift or, or something that she has just obediently cultivated over the years, but she's just a great host. Anyways, Karen Maines in this book tells a story. Um, one morning she decided to read a novel instead of her planned housework. And of course, that's the morning she gets a knock on the door from someone in her church and the place was a mess. The, the sink was full of dishes. There was toys everywhere. And last night's paper was all over the floor. And she went to the door sort of begrudgingly, but she heard her dad's voice in her head going, hospitality comes before pride. Hospitality comes before pride. I mean, it's easy enough to say when your place is tidy, but she swallowed her pride and she let the person in. And after they came in and, and got sat down, after some conversation, this person said, I used to think that you were perfect. I think we can be friends now. <laughs> And there's another book by Shauna Nyquist, and honestly, all I need out of it is this title, Present Over Perfect. Just be present over being perfect. Uh, in fact, if you get nothing else out of today, remember those three words, present over perfect. People aren't coming to see your place, okay? They aren't 
secretly judging your furniture. Look, there, there may be a hundred other reasons for a lack of Christian hospitality, but the reality is God commands it, and we as his children and as his servants, we should joyfully obey it. Um, you hear that, Jonathan? Yes, I hear that. Well, there's one more little thing I need to tell you, Jonathan. Uh-oh, what is it? Well, it's just two little words at the end of 1 Peter 4.9. It says, to practice hospitality without grumbling. Oh, come on. That's a, that's a bridge too far. I'll, I'll obey, but you cannot take my Canadian right away to complain about it and roll my eyes and dread it. Jesus wants us to show hospitality and do it with a right heart, you know, the right attitude. It kind of defeats the purpose of hospitality if you complain the entire time or uh, gossip when the, when the guests leave the home, you know. Oh, and by the way, could we all just erase the expectation of some kind of quid pro quo, this, this idea that if I show hospitality, then I'll be repaid somewhere down the future, like Luke 14, 14 says. There are ways that we can totally nullify our obedience with having a bad heart about it, a bad attitude. Pharisees, they prayed for the benefit of others, for being seen. You know, people can give money to get the credit for it or to have influence. That's not the heart of Jesus. Um, so, so just let go of the idea of having to be invited back. Just let it go. It's like the comedian I remember when I was a kid who said, when they get the impression that a person has, uh, that they've lent money to has forgotten or is not going to pay them back, they go to their home and break something of equal or greater value. Uh, makes them feel better. Like, just let that go. Let that whole quid pro quo thing go. And I've also noticed that we tend to separate our lives in kind of two compartments, right? We have the public self. We have the private self. The public self, you know, is, is what you let certain people see, but only certain things. You don't let them too close. This, the public self is often the workplace self. Uh, it's the marketplace self. Uh, among strangers, that's your public self. And then we have this private self. The private self is very restricted. It's limited to friends and family and close associations. I think some of y'all need to learn to let more people into your private self. Hospitality, almost by definition, it means that you let more people into your private self. It is vulnerable by its very nature. You know, the difficult thing is, ever since we were kids, we were told what? Don't talk to strangers. Don't like, keep away from strangers. Remember that? What happens is that we, we teach kids that are not to talk to strangers, and then we turn into adults. And we're still thinking, I can't talk to strangers. We, we've found a bit of that. Vicky is relentless when we go for a walk. And it is a subtle difference I have actually found between Alberta and Ontario. Is that, um, you know, when we're 
when we're walking with our dog or whatever, Vicky makes a point of saying hi to everybody. And it's, it's, it startles them. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and uh, she's almost defiantly friendly. Like, uh, people are clearly not making eye contact with her. Hi. Oh, yes, my lady. Um, we can talk to strangers. According to this Greek word, we can show love for the stranger. And there's a risk. There are scary people out there. I get it. But if we go through life living in some sort of bubble, at a minimum, we have we have limited our worldview. We've restricted our exposure to, to different cultures. We've restricted our exposure to different personalities and different opinions. But more than that, I think what we have done is we've maybe blocked off our ability to experience what I would call a divine appointment. You know, one of the coolest, craziest passages comes out of the book of Hebrews. Here's what it says. Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Isn't that wild? There's some divine appointments in the Bible. Um, Remember Abraham. He shows hospitality to a couple of people, later finds out they're angels. Uh, Be open to hospitality, not just because you... You might be entertaining an angel, which I grant is probably rare, though we might find out in heaven it was less rare than we thought. Uh, But be open to hospitality because you are opening yourself up to divine encounters, God moments, moments that seem like coincidence, that that were really ordained God appointments that, that required you to step out and say yes to an opportunity. Chris had, had a couple of days ago showed up at someone's house and had what could only be described as a providential God moment. I've had, and some of you maybe too, some of these Zoom check-ins um, seem to be honestly a, a mix of the right people at the right time, divine moments. So... Divine moments may not be the normative experience. That's not ultimately why we practice hospitality. Um, but something, something has changed in our culture. And I don't want to sound like, you know, old man Ganyu up here. When I was a boy, we'd invite people to play horseshoes down by the malt shop. Uh, here's what I remember, though, as a kid growing up. My dad, who some of you know, was a pastor himself. In almost every church that he, he pastored, he initiated a monthly hospitality Sunday. Anybody ever be at church where that, that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, it was like a church-wide campaign where we just prioritized the one-anothering admonition to practice hospitality. And, and, and I remember dad always reminded in his own way this principle of present over perfect. He'd say, just put another couple cups of water in the soup, you know, cucumber sandwiches. It's about the people, not the food. And my mother uh, would spearhead this little program that she called, um, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? A bit of a ode to the old Sidney Poitier movie. This is where you'd allow your name to be part of a group of maybe six to eight 
and you might take a turn hosting, but you wouldn't know who was showing up. And you'd end up with these mystery guests, and the guests wouldn't know who was coming. And so there'd be eight people. Maybe you would be renewing friendships, or you'd be starting friendships. It was a bit of an adventure, actually. Here's my takeaway from this little walk down memory lane. Hospitality is going to require some measure of intentionality, isn't it? If you don't plan it, it won't happen. And, and maybe you need to mark it on your calendar right now. You know, hospitality can happen outside the home as well. Inviting someone out for a meal, picking up the tab, uh, a visit to the coffee shop. Uh, find out maybe that a new person likes golf and, and take them to the driving range. You know, my new friend Daniel has practiced a little hospitality on the golf course lately. Here's ways I have seen hospitality practiced at NAC, and this is just a short list, but um, I'm, I'm encouraged by, as I think about it, there was a young man very unconnected to our church, a bad home life, and uh, we just put out the need, and the clerks gave him a home for several months, fed him, drove him around, accepted him. Uh, I think of Kelly and Neil Garby, who one Sunday um, invited just newly married couples into their home. They love young adults, they love marriage, and and, um, they care about marriages, so they invited this specific demographic and and mingled with them in their home. I think of the Timgrens for years who have hosted our staff and elders and spouses uh, yearly at their uh, at their home, and uh, the stewards who open up their summer cottage for various people. Think of Beryl Jeffs, who essentially started this church with a bunch of teens and young adults sitting on their floor in the living room. The Goodmans, who essentially adopted another daughter who could use an extended family. Um, the Mayhews who essentially adopted uh, Cassie, uh, you know, as a, as a daughter, right? The daughter they always wanted. And, uh, uh, you know, the Hunt and Hearn and Agalawadi and Stewart small group that treated an immigrant refugee family like their family, took the financial risk, uh, the relational risk, had them in their homes, continue to be in their lives. Um, I watched Norm and Mai on a Zoom call uh, they were in their, it was when it was a little nicer outside, they were in their garage with the, with the door up, just sitting out, you know, as, as uh, couples are want to do, I've noticed in Ontario, and uh, uh, they were Zooming with me, and I just watched in real time as a neighbor came over, and they just neighbored well. I watched the Maxman family treat every guest at the Serve Our, Our City food program like not like customers. Well, if, they, if customers, it's of a high-end restaurant. More like guests in their, in their own home. Treat them with dignity and care and respect. I could go on. Hospitality, though, makes a difference. It, it, is, it is Christ-like. And uh, so back to the question I started with. Could this be the most untimely, irrelevant message possible in this season that we find ourselves in. Surely this is 
a one another that we can skip right now until there's a vaccine widely available. See, this is where we run into the, the tension of following Jesus or following the government. And that, by the way, that is not some anti-mask, anti-government, pro-conspiracy statement. I'm just acknowledging that the spirit of hospitality, the spirit uh, of the command of Jesus does not change in the middle of a global pandemic. But I don't necessarily know how to live this out well. So I'd like to open up the mic. I'd like to hear from you, uh, folks who are worshiping with us online. Um, you, you know the number to text. Could we brainstorm this together? Like, how do we practice at, at least the spirit of hospitality in a pandemic? Um, have you experienced some measure of hospitality from others during this time? Um, are the ways that you have offered hospitality to others during this time? Does anybody have an idea or a real experience? As you're thinking about this, yeah, I was actually going to tell a story about Jacob and Liz, but maybe he'll tell it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a Liz story, but I'll let you tell that one because I okay, have no good. idea what you're thinking yeah. of. But um, I just have <coughs> two things I wanted to say. Uh, I love the idea. Like, I work on this every day of my life. I love the idea of... Uh, I'm going to make Liz roll her eyes here because I'm quoting a bunch of inspirational garbage YouTube videos that I love. <laughs> but... I love the idea that strangers are just friends you haven't met yet, and uh, I wear clothes sometimes, and I have a mask coming in that has this logo written on it, and it says love over fear, and it's just something that I try and live out every day of my life, because there's always a million reasons not to do something. I have been an introvert my whole life. I get social anxiety, and I always, try my best to just go and talk to somebody that I don't know on the bus or something like that. And I, I always just have, I psych myself out sometimes and I don't, I'm not great at it, but I'm still working on it. I always make up a million reasons why I shouldn't do this thing. Like if they're just not interested or if they're having a bad day and they take it out on me or something, there's always, a million reasons not to do something, but it's rare that I'll go out and actually do it, and then it goes wrong. So if you're thinking about opening your home or talking to strangers or showing love, there's no wrong way to show love, really. If you have that, just go ahead. And Dude, that's so good, man. Thank you, Jacob. The second thing I wanted to say uh, was actually an example of hospitality. I've had uh, Rosa actually open up your, your backyard, and uh, we've been able to say, st stay socially distant and sit around a campfire. And we've had some nice worship nights. We've had just some nice talks. It's a wonderful place of just opening up, just if you have a big enough space that people can stay distant and you're outside. I know it sucks because winter's coming, so it's harder to do that. but. Just if you can open up your backyard or your front yard or something like that, just go for it because 
There's a million reasons not to do something, but if you do it, it could be awesome. Mm, that's so good. Thank you, Jacob. And you have no idea as a parent how blessed I am to be sitting in my house and through the window, you hear young adults and teens worshiping God with the guitar and a cajon, and it's just, it's just beautiful. Oh, look, here's a lovely girl. I think I know you. Well, as soon as I saw Jacob go up, it just, like, reminded me. Um, uh, Jacob hosts these um, games online, so there's this game called Among Us, <laughs> and um, it's pretty popular among the kids, um, but he, I don't know, he just kind of texted all of us, and he's like, hey, like, do you guys want to play? So we all hop online and get on this, like, chat where we can just, like, talk while we're playing, and it's it's really awesome just, like, being able to kind of be with friends and just have fun together still. Um, like sometimes Liz will host it or even the Rogers will be like, hey, do you guys want to hop on? And it's it's really cool. So I think that's just been like a fun way to, you know, de-stress and hang out with friends. So, totally. so yeah, it's been, it's been cool. A creative way. Um, I was also asked Glenn the other day, like, what, hey, what'd you do last night? And I said, actually, we had Liz and Jacob over. We stayed outside got the propane heater, which I know are selling out everywhere. But um, he's like, I didn't think, you know, six months ago I'd be entertaining in November outside, but it was good, and it, uh, it, it was doable. Um, anybody, anybody else have an idea or a, a story or an experience? Love to hear from you. Right on, Heather. Heather loves talking on the microphone. That's one thing I know about it. No, that's the opposite. <laughs> so this is uh, brave of you. Um, okay. I've got two things. One of them is um, there was um, an, a gentleman that just moved in next door to me that I had not met. I actually didn't know that he was actually living there until maybe three weeks ago, um, or maybe a month ago, and uh, he's uh, renting, renting the basement of this, of this home, and he's a, he's a young man in his 60s, and um, he's, uh, he was raking the lawn. He was raking the lawn, and we got talking. I hadn't met, I hadn't met him before, as I said, but I had pulled the car over to the curb as I was pulling out when I saw him and introduced myself. And, and um, anyway, the next time that I saw him as I was pulling in the driveway, he was raking, raking the lawn and he was picking up some of the leaves from my house, which was really sweet of him. And he offered to, um, to gather all the leaves from, from my house into a pile to make it easier for me. Which was really nice, and I gave him some some uh, some bags. He had run out run out of bags, and um, so I had quite a few. So I gave them to him, and you know, his first reaction was, "Oh, sure, thanks, thanks very much. That's great." Next, you know, when I buy some, I'll give them back to you. Which is just, you know, what you were saying, how how common it is. And I said, "No, no, it's okay, it's okay." And he had a really hard time just. Accepting that, receiving it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the other the other thing that I wanted to mention is um, a really good friend of mine who 
She shows hospitality. She has been ever since I got to know her. I've learned a lot through her. And um, she, she is wonderful at just... Um, well, you know what? It's in her heart. It's it's really comes out of her heart. She's such a giver, and um, so she pr she probably doesn't have a lot of people come into her home, but she does things for people all the time. Uh, takes them shopping. Uh, somebody that has has difficulty. She's forever making soup. And then she'll just put them in containers and deliver them to different people that she knows that needs them. Sometimes it's her family, but oftentimes it's it's neighbors, neighbors or people in her church, whatever that she that she knows. It's just um, it just comes out of her. It's it's really awesome to watch and. You know, what's really interesting is she is so incredibly generous at doing that. She's actually pretty frugal when it comes to um, herself and to money, but she's incredibly generous at giving her time and for, you know, she'll put a load of time into making making this fabulous soup and whatever, and then give most of it away. And um, the Lord has blessed her incredibly. I mean, financially. I'm talking like six figures, whatever, that he has blessed her. Um, and, you know, I shake my head and think, wow, that's so incredible. And yet, um, when I... When I look at her heart and um, and what she does, it really speaks volumes as to a way of showing God's love mm -hmm. through hospitality. And even, you know, the soup thing, whatever, or whether it be muffins, cookies, wh whatever it is, leaf bags, whatever, whatever we can give even during the pandemic is a way of, I think, showing hospitality. Mm. So. That's so good. Thank you, Heather. Anybody else have a thought or an experience or an idea? Here comes Jeremy while he comes. I don't know. I, Chris told me this, that if you put Canadian Armed Forces on an envelope and put a Christmas card in it, um, just put it in the mail, it'll show up for somebody who needs a Christmas card. Am I getting my details right, Chris? Um, I, think I, I think I'm right. Um, anyways, little things that you can do. Jeremy. So um, this past Friday, as many of you know, was Black Friday, which for a person who works in retail is the death of us. Mm -hmm. um, actually, it wasn't all that busy comparatively to past years, but anyway. Um, I really thought nothing of this when I did it, but I made lunch for all the managers mm. and brought it in because I knew it was going to be a busy day and we're all kind of harried and hectic. Um, but that is just a way of showing hospitality outside of the home um, and into the workplace. And 
it's really more of a, a spirit of hospitality that you can take with you wherever you go and mm -hmm. just find ways of sharing and being generous with people. And I think if we are just creative, mm -hmm. we can figure that out. Boy, that's so good, Jeremy. That's so good. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts on that? Oh, look. Are you coming up to play or are you coming up to talk? You remembered what you're going to say this time? <laughs> I have uh, a memory problem. Anyways, um... <laughs> uh, when, when our daughter Haven was born uh, back in March, uh, we had... I like dozens of meals dropped off at her house. I, it was at least a month. It felt like every night somebody else was dropping off. I don't even know who arranged it. There were people from our church. There were people from uh, Brittany's old church or parents' church dropped off meals. And it was just an incredible blessing that we, if you've ever had a kid, you know that that first month is just insane and you're trying to figure out how to survive and making meals is not on the top of your priority list. And so the fact that um, somebody or a bunch of people went out of their way to arrange that for us and make the food and drop it off. And it was usually warm and it was just an incredible blessing for us. Mm, good one. I've been the recipient of that kind of love. Um, I'd like to give the last word to somebody if, if uh, you feel a nudge. Hey, right on, Jessica. Hi. So um, I think it's really about trying to figure out who really needs, because we can't just have people in our homes the same way we used to. Mm -hmm. So I've found it's about figuring out who and who that you know or that other people know are really in need of hospitality and bringing it to them instead of them coming to you. Mm -hmm. So um, encouragement to the younger generation. This is really, really hard on the older generation mm -hmm. who really can't leave and like see their kids and like their grandkids grow up. Um, I started writing letters to my grandma mm. and she was like over the moon. Like, like she would talk to my dad for like hours on the phone be like, I can't believe Jessica's sending me mail. Like a handwritten, yeah, like good a handwritten for mail. So I don't know, just really small things that don't take that long could mean like the world to somebody. So that's yeah. so good. That's so good. See, I need to crowdsource my sermons every week, I think. And somewhat, I'm being somewhat serious here about the application of some of these. And uh, you got one more. Oh, no. Oh, the band's coming. Okay. I thought I was getting surrounded here. Um, there's this author, Rosaria Butterfield, and uh, here's what she says. Know that someone is spared from another humiliating fall into internet pornography because he's instead walking with you and your kids and dogs. That's one model of how the Lord gives you daily grace and a way to escape. Know that someone is spared the fear and darkness of depression because she's safely in community where her place at the table is needed and necessary and relied upon. Know that host and guests are equally precious and fragile, and that you will play both roles throughout the course of this life. We practice hospitality primarily because of the hospitality that was first shown to us. Um, 
We send out the welcome mat because I think God first sent the welcome mat for us. You know, we at one point have been strangers or aliens in this world. We have all at one point been lost. We have been wanderers. We have been separated from our home, at the very least separated from our spiritual home and our eternal father. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But as this story will be told throughout December and throughout every December, Jesus initiated. He came to us. He became Emmanuel, God who is with us, with us in our mess and our brokenness. He is both present and perfect. And later he would die for us while we were still sinners. He died so that one day we could, through Jesus, go back home to be with the Father. And so we are offered a choice. Uh, Even though God originally puts out the welcome mat for us, we are the ones who at some point have to come to a decision where are we going to put the welcome mat out for Jesus? In Revelation, Jesus says, here I am. I'm standing at the door and I knock. He's standing at the door of your heart. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Is the Lord knocking at the door of your heart? Are you standing there deciding whether or not you're going to open it? Are you going to allow him to come in? We are clearly called to practice hospitality, not just among our close friends and our family and, and those inside our bubble, but to the stranger as well. And in order to do that, in order to have enough love to even be able to do that, we have to be willing, I think, to first accept the hospitality of God. Here I am. I'm standing at the door of your heart. I'm knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. We stand together.